Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman. And joining us in the room is Deirdre McGlashan, Mediacom Global Chief Digital Officer. Welcome. Thank you and thanks for having me. I really appreciate oh, this. No, I know, it's really exciting time. to have yeah. you here. First question is, I mean, what were the significant moments in your career that got you to where you are now? Um, from the beginning as well as the last... Ten years. Well, I think the most significant was probably two years ago when I met you folks at Mediacom and you guys were kind enough to offer me a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's definitely been the most significant one to get me here now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've been really lucky throughout my career just falling into different roles across kind of all the spectrums of digital. Mm-hmm. So um, I started out working on the on the software side, actually. Oh. And then I was really interested in understanding what it was like to be on the agency side using said software. Yeah. And so there was just one agency I really wanted to work at. And once again, pure luck, I'd been banging the doors of all these different agencies. And I happened to be close to one that I really wanted to work at. They hadn't responded to me, so I just dropped in. Amazing. And asked if I could meet with their head of production. Yeah. And the person sitting at reception was the creative manager who managed the creative department. Yeah. And he was on his last two weeks, and he was doing reception cover because the receptionist went out to get wow. some... Yeah. to get some lunch. Yeah. And he's like, well, we have an opening. <laughs> I'm leaving in two weeks. That's, and that's so how, brave. Yeah, and that's but how. that's brave, no? It was lucky. You. Just absolutely yeah, pure But also luck. you kind of thought, what's the worst that can happen? Right, I mean, exactly. a lot of people would be frightened to do that. Yeah. I think also desperation. I needed <laughs> yeah. a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind yeah. of how I got into the agency world and cool. then lucked into media when I started working at um, Aegis, when I started working at Isobar, I also ran a media team there yeah. in the global. Yeah. So that's how I got involved in media as well. But I think probably the most significant moment that got me into digital in the first place was I was working at a software company as a receptionist. Yep. Um, it was during, I just graduated and we were in a recession, so I was temp receptioning. Yep. I'd worked for an architect's firm, a design agency, and I was working at the software company, and they liked me, I liked them, and we were going, we made it permanent, and then I just got bored, hmm. and we had a new head of advertising, and I was telling her that she was ordering business cards for everyone, and I kind of took her aside and said, look, I'm just about to quit, so, you know, save the money, and she's like, no, we really like you, let's figure out a new role for you, hmm. and that's how I fell into marketing. She took me into the marketing uh, yeah. team, and I started doing trade shows for them. Wow. So that's kind of how I fell into it, because when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a family that really understood marketing. I didn't mm. even know it was a job. Mm. So mm. that's probably the most significant moment. So she kept me in the business. Ra- I Random but work, hard work and persistence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Because I, I was about to leave to be the head of room service, night room service, at one of the high-end hotels oh, in San Francisco. Oh, that's a sliding doors because, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I had grown up, not grown up, but I put myself through university doing hospitality. Wow, yeah. And so I was very involved in the restaurant industry. Yeah. So that's where I was. Yes, yeah, complete sliding doors. So that's where I was headed. Wow. Not, the obvious, <laughs> not the obvious background for a chief digital. <laughs> so, um, what, what are your thought processes or, or pr- indeed pro- practices, systems that, that, got, that get you to be able to run the world digitally? <laughs> Oh, number one, I don't run anything. I think that if you looked at my desk, you'd probably think my process was organized chaos. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Myself. yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I don't really know if I have a system, but mm. one of the things I love is to understand how things work. So I really like to understand how things are put together and how they function. Mm. Um, 
that's really important, I think, because if you understand how something works, then you can better understand how to use it, not only for the application that it thinks it's supposed to do, but also what else you might be able to use it yeah. for. Um, and I think probably the other thing is, I think we all accept change, particularly you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In, you know, as digital men, well, you yeah. recognize that every day it's going to be different. Yeah. And yeah. every day there's going to be something new. And everything we have, most of the tools we have are still in beta or, yeah. you know, unformed. Absolutely. And so we're constantly playing around with yeah. that. So I think that acceptance that change is part of our life and it's normal yeah. is yeah. a big part of it as well. Yeah. And then I think back to what you said, Sue, I guess if I think about the way I approach things is tends to be, how hard could it be? Yeah, um, Not because I think it's easy, just through dumb naivete, I think, but it's like, well, how hard could it be? Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, really, really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it gets you to try things that yeah. you might not normally try. Yeah, yeah, really good. I love that idea of change. I think that that's something that it's a challenge that we see, I think I've seen in the different agencies that I've worked in where we're given the, um, the task of, digitizing people yeah. and that they often refer back to digitizing as a sort as a knowledge rather than as a, a philosophy of change or as an acceptance of change or a malleability in that in that respect and I think that idea that digital is just about change and adapting I think yeah. that's a really wonderful thing mm. you started to talk about it but it's, you've got such a ma macho not macho, macho macro role it's such a big many, role many agencies it's a macho <laughs> role <laughs> yeah. in most yeah. <laughs> How do you ensure that you get things done? How do you make sure you think, make things are consistent? Because it's something that I battle with when you, you've got to think big but make things happen. How do you do that? I think one thing is we're really lucky here at Mediacom that we have so many good things mm. that we, we're trying to, you know, uh, make scalable. Mm. So uh, what I love about Mediacom is that it is so entrepreneurial. Every office is doing something great. Every office is trying something out. So it's our job in global to find those things and to share them and to make them scalable. So the, we approach it. We've got a very strong global client team. And considering global clients are 50% of our business, mm -hmm. I think it's a good way to drive scale <laughs> because when you have, you know, uh, consistency across the different global clients, mm -hmm. that drives quite a bit of consistency within the market. Mm -hmm. But we also have a team of people who are focused solely on local markets, mm -hmm. and that's identifying good stuff that's happening, identifying gaps where we need to develop something good, and then their KPIs are really on how well the local markets are doing. Are we winning or keeping local clients because of what we're driving globally. Sure. So I think that's part of it is having a small infrastructure, very light infrastructure, but their KPIs being purely on knowledge sharing and on making these things scalable. Because as you guys are trying great things out in the UK, yeah. some of them are just experiments. We're not quite sure how they're going to yeah. work yet. And they're one-offs because this is what a client is asking for. Yeah. But then we need to look at it and say, okay, is that just a one-off only in the UK? Yeah. Or is that actually something that's scalable? And if so, how do we get more markets being able to deliver that? Because we are a scale business. Yeah. We have to provide yes, that's, scalable yeah. solutions. That's, that's interesting because, of course, the profile of clients in the UK is not 50-50 at all. It must right. be much bigger local clients than it is exactly. so, so you get so you get a hybrid model which is quite good for change isn't it exactly and I think that hybrid model is really important because mm. quite frankly I think we drive most innovation for local yeah. clients because local clients need to see the immediate can see the immediate impact need to see the immediate impact and so oftentimes are more willing to take a chance 
than clients who are looking at a global portfolio or a regional portfolio, where oftentimes what they're trying to do is find that scale and also that the kind of the normalization rather than, so you've got that nice balance between that's, the two. That's, yeah, that's lovely. It's very insightful. Um, you've worked in San Francisco, China and London. I mean, apart from the weather, what are the biggest differences? <laughs> Let's just get the weather out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Although this is an unseasonably glorious yes, day here in London today. Yeah. Can I interrupt as well? I've said San Francisco, which is very specific, and then China. Which is, <laughs> yeah, which can, is, which is less where specific. Because yeah, yeah. that's what Mediacom, the yeah. website, said. So yeah. can, where, where in China? Um, I was based in Shanghai, but I was running Greater China. So I had all five cities. Sure. But I spent most of my time between Shanghai and Beijing. Mm-hmm. But I also had an office in Taipei. One in Hong Kong and one in Guangzhou as well. Wow. wow. And then here in the UK, mm. in mainly London-based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, aside from the cultural differences, I mean, there are cultural mm. differences. I remember when I first got here in 2003, San Francisco is a very wired city. I was working for a digital agency, mm. so, you know, technology was a part of mm. how we worked. So we were not necessarily desk-bound. Mm. We were kind of expected to always be available, but that also gave us the flexibility to not always be in the office. Yeah. So working from home was quite normal. You know, we all had our laptops, but we were also expected to be available, and we worked all the time. So I might take a couple of hours out on a Thursday to go do my grocery shopping, but I would put those hours back in, possibly on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And so that was really normal from mm-hmm. where I'd come from. And I remember coming here to London and working for the same agency, yeah. uh, just a London office, mm-hmm. and everybody was at their desks till like 8, 9, yeah. 10 o'clock at night. I was kind of thinking, gosh, this is really, you know, very desk-bound. Yeah. But I also realized very quickly that once they were gone, they were gone. There was no communications. There was no checking in. Weekends were yeah. sacred. Yeah. And that was a cultural difference. Mm. But, you know, equally, you know, both just two different styles. Which, which getting... do you think is better? Having um, I think, personally, I think the flexibility is better because is I believe that meshing our lives yeah. is the only way forward because... You have to prioritize the important things. It's just what's important changes prior. Um, what's important changes on a minute by minute basis. Okay. Do you know what I so mean? You so you can't fix it to. Yeah. I think you can't fix it to certain times so, because if you're, you know, I don't have children, but a lot of people have children. Yeah. If their children, if their child gets sick in the middle of the day, that's unscheduled. They you, yeah. they so they need you. Yeah. They need you. Yeah. Also, at the same time, if you know, it's if you're really busy and you need to get some a doctor's appointment or some shopping yeah. done in the middle of the week, I think you should have that flexibility yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is always to make sure that you get your work done mm-hmm. and that you service your clients because mm-hmm. that's what we're here for. Sure. We are a service industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so as long as we're doing that and meeting our boss's expectations and also the people who work with us, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be flexible and really mm-hmm. have that blended life. Fascinating. You're a global digital leader. What do the next five years of digital look like? And, that, and how would you change that direction if you could? Uh, I think the next five years are going to be more of what we're seeing now, more of the use of data, more of the use of yeah. technology, more, um, hopefully more upfront planning so that we can be more rules-based mm. so that we can let the algorithms help us. We've been talking us. about yeah, that a lot, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, so that we can let the algorithms assist us. They'll never take over, but mm. they'll definitely aid us in moving faster. But how I would change it is, I think... Oftentimes, especially with new technologies and new things, it's really easy to fall in love with the technology. And we mm-hmm. have to remember that we're talking to people. At the end of the day, it's that consumer, what the consumer needs, how to drive, you know, how to motivate that consumer. That's what's really important. Mm-hmm. So all the rest of this just helps us deliver our core 
basic function of helping our clients grow their businesses by finding the right people and putting their brands in front of them at the right time. Yeah. And that, I think, is the only thing I would change is I wouldn't stop it, but I just want to make sure we stay focused we on the consumer. remind people. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the most fascinating things is the job now is exactly the same as the job 20, 30 years ago, which yes. is, as you said, grow our clients' brands, put the brand in front of the consumer. But the techniques with which we can do that have got so much more complicated. Yeah. What we don't seem to have yet is the, 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 the systems and the programs that scale that back. At the moment, it seems to be more work and more people having to execute that work. Do you see a golden point, a tipping point in the next five years where that balance kind of redresses. I think. And, it, and what, when is it, and how can we get there faster? I think it definitely will. I mean, I think we have to remember when we look at where we are now, we think it's so sophisticated, particularly when we're looking Stop. at programmatic, yeah. because yeah. it's technology, yeah. because yeah. it's data. But we have to remember it's still a toddler. Yeah. You know, Stop. these tools are very raw. These are yeah. the early days of the internet as a comparison yeah. and so they are clunky uh, we're still learning to use them and that the tools will get better the people will get better we'll have more people who are skilled and that will redress the balance I think that um, even though programmatic is just a different way of buying there is additional there is a learning curve yeah. and that's what we're doing right now yeah. there's the learning curve to learn how to master the tool and then you can really shine with the tool mm. and that's what we're going through now so it'll probably take a couple of years but we'll get there and then what'll happen is as ASD knows something new will come along yeah. and yeah. we're going to have another yeah. steam learning <laughs> curve <laughs> and we're going to do it all over again and all <laughs> over again <laughs> so, so given that what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in our business I think the advice I'd give is to keep it simple. It's yeah. really, really easy to overcomplicate <laughs> things, yeah. not just to clients with you know acronyms and new technologies, but also keeping it simple and boiling it down to what you're trying to achieve, regardless mm -hmm. of what the tool is called, also keeps you on target for what you are trying to achieve, what that outcome is. If you, you know, if you don't say, I'm going to use this tool and this tool and this tool to deliver this, but you say, actually, what I want to do is understand when a consumer needs this and I'd like to be able to figure it out through these three clues and then be able to deliver mm -hmm. this, that keeps you more on target. And then you can choose mm -hmm. the tools as you go along. Yeah. The tools don't matter. It's what are you trying to achieve. It's such a wonderful answer. Yeah. I love that. Um, so this this is one you I usually give to Sue to ask, so I, I'm yeah. quite honoured to be asking it, even though I, I divvy other questions. Um, <laughs> if you were a genie, uh, what five objects, commonly available objects, would I have to put in the circle to uh, to summon you? Okay, uh, if, you were, if I was a genie, I would want <laughs> yeah. something lovely to drink, a lovely beverage. Like something what? Like Example? A nice glass of wine or a nice cocktail. Sure. Uh, okay. Favourite cocktail? Uh, Favourite cocktail? Yeah. I. So we really know you're coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would probably be a Sazerac. Oh, oh what's that? A Sazerac is a uh, rye. It's uh, the original recipe is fifty percent cognac, fifty percent rye, yeah. with pecho bitters and an absinthe wash. Um, wow. But I, like, yeah. I tend to take it with just rye. <laughs> Probably more information Very than good. you needed. Wow. No, 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 that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. It's good. We're going to try it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Probably something uh, yummy to eat because uh, I love eating out. I love cooking. Um, Again, an example. Specific. We have to be specific. Yeah. Specific. Um, let's see. If I was going to have a sazerac, why don't you give me a steak tartare? 
Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Um, a nice candle, like a nice Joe Malone candle. Yeah. Um, five dice. Because I like I playing dice. That. I carry dice in my bag. <laughs> so do I. I always so have dice in my bag. That's amazing. <laughs> Look. Oh, da- why did you choose the three? The one in the... Deidre's just showing us a tattoo of a dice showing the three, the one and the two. What, is there any reason why you chose one, two, three? One of my favorite games is called Threes Away. And right. so the best hand is three fives. I'm sorry, five threes. Right. And so I have five dice. Amazing. That's one of them. Oh, I can teach you another <laughs> game with dice. That's amazing. Brilliant. So five dice, cocktail, okay. steak tartare. Yep. And let's see the candle. And the I think the last thing would candle, be yeah. something beautiful you guys choose. Something you think is beautiful. Oh, man. I quite like that as a, as a concept, something beautiful that we choose. Yeah. Are you saying we choose now or just in general? You can choose now or in general, yeah. something that would Go be your it. choice. Oh, now, now there's a lot of pressure. Something beautiful. Um, something that brings you joy. I mean, maybe a camera, because yeah. it, I, I love the idea of what is seen and what isn't seen. Maybe a camera. Yeah, um, that's a great one. Yeah. I was, I was, th- I was, I was going, I was going, uh, the the seaside on a beautiful day at sunset. Oh, do you I know was, what? I was going, I was going visual. Do you know what? I was in, um, I was in Edinburgh yesterday. This is a complete off off the trail, <laughs> and they put on Patti Smith, yeah. and you know the, the 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 song Redondo Beach. Morrissey also sang it. It's one of yes, my top, uh, my favourite songs of all time. But it's also one of the things that makes me cry because huh? it's about a guy who has an argument with his girl. She goes out. And then he goes out to find her, and they find a body washed up on the beach. It's just yeah. really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and that then comes so, back to the. So I say seaside, you say dead body. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. I just, all the things I like are quite macabre, and they're quite depressing, which makes my wife quite sad. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is now specific objects to your house. Yeah. Okay. Um, your house is on is is on fire. Everybody, everything alive is safe. And mm-hmm. uh, but what uh, three specific objects that are personal to you that you would grab? Um, one would be the ashes of my dog Marlo, because okay. he was with me for a long time, oh. and I took him all over the world. What kind oh, of dog? Um, he was. You guys call them lurchers. Okay. He was just a, right, a, a yeah. mutt from the pound. But oh, when lovely. I brought him to the UK, everybody looked at him and said he's a lurcher, oh, which yeah. is a, a how you guys specify a particular okay. mixed breed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think the second thing would be a going away booklet that I got when I left agency.com that was just really beautiful personal notes from people that I'd worked with in all the offices around the world. Yeah. That's really precious to me because I spent so many years of my life there. And I think from a career standpoint, it's where I, it's where I grew up. Oh, that's okay. lovely. And I think the third would be my passport. Oh, that's a that's really, really good really one. practical. <laughs> We've not had either, no, any of those no three before. No, 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 that's no one's had any of the three. No. No. Uh, this is a, so what, do you give, give away books much? Yeah. So what is the book that you've gifted the most? This is probably not the answer that you're going to expect, but there's a book called Kiss, Bow, and Shake Hands, which is about international business etiquette. And it breaks down different countries, and it talks about their cultures and how they give and receive information, and also just the etiquette in yeah. in the country. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first books I bought when I started working in an international role, yeah. and it's something I either give to new people joining Global or tell them to go buy. I found it yeah. just really, really interesting. Just those little insights. Yeah. And I remember being fascinated when I read the U.S. one, mm-hmm. and I remember this. I'll never forget this one. I don't even remember if it's... There's two books that I've 
read this one and the do's and taboos around the world, but I think it was from this book. One observation about Americans is that Americans use their fork as a knife. Yeah. And I'd never uh, yeah. thought yeah. about yeah. that, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. Americans yeah. don't tend to yeah. eat with their um, yeah. fork nice in their left and their knife yeah. in, their, yeah. In, yeah. in their dominant hand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just those little tiny things. And you're like, oh, I think that, I think I'll never forget that because it's so easy to think that your own, it's so easy to think that your own culture is like the normal one yeah. because it's the one you grew up with. Yeah. But it was like when I read that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a little odd. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. um, it kind of just shows that we're all a little odd. That's amazing. <laughs> Are there any bits, sorry, sorry, have there been any times where you've just mistakenly done something that you thought was normal as it, across the world? People have reacted and gone, oh. Um, that's a good question. So um, I have put you maybe on the you spot. Maybe you would know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Why do you think Dan Chapman, um, who has now gone up to global, I think. Yes, Amir. Yeah. In Amir, yeah. In Amir. And he was telling me about how in the Middle East, if someone gives you a business card, you have to look at it for 30 seconds and mm-hmm. you have to stare quite intently at it for 30 seconds because yeah. that gives it the full respect the card deserves I always thought that was really interesting because yes. now yeah. no one has cards anymore over here yeah. but yeah. I, I, I yeah, really saw in Asia it's, you know, it's verboten to write on the cards oh, really? because right. um, once again that's that's their name that's their you know, that's same thing them. you study yeah. it and then you say something you, you make an observation about sure. it or you ask a question that's a really good question have I flubbed anything probably <laughs> 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 Maybe it's one for people well, who know you. Come, yeah. Yeah. No, we can exactly. Come from from, from so a business is, standpoint or from a personal standpoint. Because yeah. I can tell you one that I've loved on a, from a personal standpoint. Yeah. Yes, let's have then, yeah. When, you might want to edit this one out. Yeah. <laughs> when, I was, when I moved to China and I was learning Mandarin, as you know, it's a tonal language. So it's hard to get the tones right. It's not mm-hmm. like a word is a discrete word. So you have to get the tone right as well. Um, and my neighbor, my dog was jumping around and my neighbor was trying to pet my dog and I said, oh, I'm sorry, my dog's kind of shy but I got the word shy mixed up so the neighbor looked at me kind of funny grabbed yeah. his wife and ran in oh. his house and closed the door and I thought, oh, wow. well, that's odd so I went to work and I was telling uh, my PA this and she said, what'd you say? so I told her, she's like, oh, yeah, no you didn't say to have shy, you said to have you didn't say your dog was shy, you said your dog was to have sex <laughs> 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 That's, that's yeah. a subtle change. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a, a new question. We're trying it out on you first, okay. which is um, which superhero or superheroine do you liken yourself to? Do you identify with, and why? Okay, that's a good question. Okay. Um, I love comic books and I remember when I was little like I really wished I could be Wonder Woman or Starfire but I have a feeling if I was a superhero it would probably be in the Guardians of the Galaxy collection (laughs) something kind of odd and quirky like I you know I I would want to be Rocket but I'd probably be like Groot (laughs) honestly And finally, of the, of the, the, the prepared questions, if we were to give you a billboard anywhere, where would it be and what would you say? And who are you saying it to? Um, number one, I love billboards. So this is, oh, yeah? this is an exciting question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love out-of-home. Sucker for out-of-home. Yeah. <laughs> well, why? Just out of interest, why? Um, I love the spectacle of it. Mm. I love what you can do with it. And I love how it's... Now, with particularly mobile technology, it can be so connected. And I just, I love the fact that it can make a small space uh, an event, a party. Mm, Do you know what I mean? It has the power to do that. I love that. Yeah. Sort of a a bigger reach, experiential almost. Right, exactly. In a way, you know, that's that's the potential for it. Plus, Mm. it is the oldest advertising medium we have. It is. is. The oldest and in some ways now the newest. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. 
think if I had a billboard, it'd probably be in some place really busy and hectic, like maybe an airport, yep. like Heathrow. Yeah, Heathrow. And I think it would just say, be kind. Be kind. That's lovely. Because I think that in those hectic times that we all have in life, and, you know, supercharged with being late for a flight yeah. or, you know, a missed connection, it's like, it's really easy to forget that. And I think that's what we all need to remember as humans, but I think if you can remember it in your most stressful moments, that's the best. Yeah. So I think that's probably where I'd put it. That's fantastic. Finally, we have these box of questions. These are from the School of Life Around the Corner, set up by the uh, the philosopher and thinker Alan de Botton, and these are 100 questions which are a toolkit for careers. Now, we ask all of our guests these, so I'll, I'll just pull some out. Now, if you could pick one. Pick one completely at random. At random. Okay. And if you can read... Has someone signed it? Some, someone signed it. Okay, right. we'll so change that one. Okay. Then. It's like Claude's one by that signature. Okay. So if you could read it out. And then answer it, if it's okay. I have another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of these yeah. are a bit odd. Okay. There we go. This question is, on Sunday evenings, I go through a stage of feeling sad and worried that... I don't have to answer it, right? And, mm-hmm. and do you? Yes, um, there's actually a there's a, a term for it, but I can never remember what it is, which is basically a term for the Sunday blues. Right. And it's really common, and a lot of people get it, yeah. where you're just blue on yeah. Sunday. Mm. And I don't know for exactly what reason. Some, you know, some speculate it's because it's towards the end of the we- weekend and yeah. going back, you to know, back to work. But I don't know. I th- I don't know why, but yes, I do get to go through that stage of feeling sad and worried. I don't think it's about anything in general, and I don't necessarily think it's because it's the end of the weekend and I'm dreading going back to work because I love coming to work. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a... I think it's just a moment of reflection. And I think Sundays offer that moment of reflection because on Fridays, you know, you're full bore and then it's Friday night and you go out and you see some friends. Mm -hmm. And then chances are high if you're establishing something to do, you're going to establish it for Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday is when you get that moment of pause. And I guess for me, sometimes that moment of pause does tend to be a little blue. Okay. But it just is. Thank you. A nice note to to take us into the uh, the end of the podcast. Deirdre McClashan, Mediacom Global Chief Digital Officer. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. This was fun. (laughs) Thank you.